Good evening, my brother. Good evening, man. How you feeling today? Man, I'm good, man. I'm good. It was a busy day here, man. Um, you know, trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with my children when it when it involves going to school for the next next year. So just a lot on the mental right now. No, I understand, man. You know, I'm I'm in the process of you know helping to prepare our district go back to school. And there's a lot of, you know, uncharted territory we're going into. So I can only imagine the decisions parents have to make. Do they let their kids come back physically? If they work with them virtually, how's that going to look? Like it's and it's taking a toll on everybody, man, from teachers to admin to parents and teachers and admin. It's it's a lot. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot on all of us, man. Um, but just glad to be able to get with you tonight, man. Um, get back to this podcast of our space. Um, so it's really good, man. I, I wanted to touch on something. Uh, I wanted to the brief synopsis of like, uh, of maybe of who we are, you know, in our backgrounds or whatever. So um, I think it would be important to tell the the audience a little bit more about yourself. No, I agree, man. Um, you know, I can start. Uh, you know. My name is Samuel Wright. I, of course, go by creatively go by Solomon Hill Fleet. Um, but, man, I work primarily as an educator. Um, I work um, in what they would call an RTI coordinator, which is basically my job to make sure that for students who are struggling academically or behaviorally that we give them, you know, research-based uh, methods to improve. And I, I just started that this year, but, you know, I've kind of always worked in a classroom or working with teachers directly so this is this is new for me yeah and um for those who don't know me or um, i'm eric a lot of people can't pronounce my last name but i can uh make alistair just one c um primarily i work in the insurance industry uh so i handle what some people would call non-standard insurance so very specialized in high-risk insurance. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, that's what I do um, as far as like a professional career, but there's a lot more to me. Uh, we, Sam and I know each other from, we both went to Fort Valley State uh, University. A lot of us, uh, a lot of our peer, we share a lot of mutual peers. We recently yeah. got close um, as adults, much closer here. Um, and, you know, we always talked about doing a podcast because we share a lot of thoughts uh, that are that are either we both agree on them or we both have insight on them. So we finally got together uh, just as two men being able to share a moment, be able to talk and discuss different things. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think it's important to say, you know, we have been talking about this for a minute. And uh, I mean this with all respect, but the quarantine has forced a lot of us to you know kind of do the things we had talked about you know myself included and um, I think the quarantine has allowed us all more time to think you know that can be good and that can be you know um, challenging no matter how you look at it but you know we've we've always known each other and we've been able to kind of have these conversations you know over the last five to six years we've really gotten closer and we've you know had some important conversations but I think the biggest blessing has been you know us realizing the importance of, you know, black men having a space for them to talk to and talk about things that, you know, affect us. You know, there's a lot that affected, you know, 
black people in general with mental health this week, and I can't wait for us to get into that. Yeah, you know, we, we could, you know, jump right into it, and I want to speak about myself before we tackle anything, you know, that, we, that we've all seen um, on different platforms. For me, you know, I grew up, I didn't really know how to address, like, mental health or even what mental health was, per se. So for me, um, it wasn't until recently, maybe a little bit after 20, maybe 15, 2016, I've started to understand it. Well, my family, we moved to Texas in 2015 and we had a flood and we lost, I'll say everything, you know, I mean, we kept one car, one car we lost, um, the house that we were in, that was not livable to the, you know, it had to be fully, fully, fully repaired, like cut up the wall, you know, four or five feet up the wall. So we, so we moved back to Michigan, uh, where I was blessed, and who is my current employer right now. Um, so you know, it was it was a blessing for me, um, and through all what went on. But I realized what I really was dealing with during the time that I never addressed was um, about with unhappiness that stemmed from some level of depression but it wasn't depression I don't want to sound dismissive or want to sound as if I'm not understanding that there's different levels to it but I was dealing with it where I I had a lot of fears of not knowing if I was going to be able to provide for my family the way that I thought that they deserved to be provided for and so it was a lot of worry it was a lot of anxiety it was a lot of dark days and my joy came from being in a new place and striving in that new place and then boom hurricane patricia came and uh done a lot of damage to us again the flood so then i started taking a look at things when i finally moved back to michigan about mental health and learned more about depression started talking to a therapist which i recommend all black men try to find ways to find a therapist and speak to a therapist and not let money be the deciding factor um, so that, that's, that's important. So that's when I learned in 2016 more about how it affects men, how it specifically affects black men and how we have not used the resources that, uh, we may have access to. You know, you said, uh, you made a lot of good points in there and I want to piggyback off some of them. You know, the big thing about, you know, with mental health that I, it, it took for me to realize that, you know, I've had a couple of close high school friends, you know, struggle with, uh, you know, mental health. One of my good friends now, um, I want to say, you know, he has uh, adult ADHD. Hopefully he won't object to me, you know, speaking about him. But, you know, he grew up and it was it was really, you know, indetectable to us. You know, it kind of it kind of helped me to, you know, seeing him struggle with it and seeing his progress now has kind of shown me, you know, not only the level of sensitivity it takes to talk about it and to appreciate it, but to also, you know, we really do not know what it looks like. We don't really know what people are struggling with and we could be very close to people and still have no idea, you know, and, you know, I say that just to say we we as individuals, as black men, we all do need therapists. You know, that's something I've been, you know, making a mission of mine once I, you know, started, you know, dating my fiance. I really started, you know, going to a therapist and talking about my issues. But just in general, 
you know, we have to do better in our community of not only seeing someone, but also of asking ourselves and really spending time with ourselves, which is hard and saying, hey, how do I feel? Why do I feel this way? You know, doing that emotional work on our own. And, you know, I say that just to say, you know, we've got a lot of things that we've been unlearning in the last couple of years. But, you know, black people have not always, you know, it doesn't seem like, whole, you know, on a, for black men, I'll say. Black men haven't always been very welcoming to people who are different in any way, you know, whether that be their sexuality, you know, their mental state. You know, I was, but this past week, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, Charles Hamilton and what he was going through in 2008, 2009, 2010, and the reactions that he was getting from people as opposed to the reactions that we give to celebrities now who go through things. And I just think it's, you know, it's a reminder that, we need to take time for ourselves, but we also need to realize how we are projecting and uh, how we're presenting ourselves. I, I want to believe that if you don't know enough about yourself, you won't be able to understand enough about someone else. And if you don't identify where you have laps in judgment, where you have laps in stability, mental stability, then you are you're going to misunderstand someone else's struggles. And, you know, when we talk about black men and the things that we that we have dealt with, it's so many layers to it. You're right. There's so many outside things that if it's not standard, if you were born anywhere between 85 and let's say 92, you may have a standard of what you are to be and how you are to be as a black man. But that shouldn't be all that you can be. I, I, I know that inside I struggle with a lot of that, right? I born in Orange, New Jersey, uh, you know, raised between Newark, Orange, and East Orange. I've seen a lot. I've heard a lot. And now that I'm older, have children, experience more, I realize that our community doesn't allow men to be different than what, again, the standard is to be, whether that's uh, very, very hard, very closed off, uh, not very what we will call vulnerable. And I see that we are making progress, but one of the hardest hurdles that I think we have to get over is how am I able to be vulnerable to the same people that may not actually understand what I'm, why I need to be vulnerable? So, you know, this week we saw, we saw something in the public. Um, one of most creative, one of the most creative geniuses that we've ever seen, or will ever see as well. One of the most talented people ever appear to be having a bout with some form of instability live in front of us. And what we did as a community, it still baffles me today because how can anyone sit down? How can any black man sit down and say, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable. I may have a episode out in public, but how can I do that if that is going to be the response in reference to what we saw with uh, the great Kanye West? You know, I really want to get to that, but it's something else you said first I want to say before I get there. So I'll try to make it you know, short. 
you know, in regards to how you grew up and how, you know, a, a lot of black men grew up, I think we don't acknowledge that, you know, black men aren't really looked at as full emotional creatures. We're either looked at as super hard or effeminate and there's no middle ground afforded to us, you know, and as, and I think that's problematic on so many levels. You know, we grew up in environments that were very rough and rugged and, you know, we came to associate, you know, I've been reading Eldridge Cleaver's Soul on Ice book and he makes a lot of points of, in the regards to, you know, we typically associate creativity, wit and, and intellectual things as feminine or not as masculine and we associate brutality and strength with masculinity and so we grew up not really having the freedom to really be vulnerable around people it was it was you know kill or be killed and so I think that's contributed to a lot of the you know negative environment that we have but then also parlaying about what you said you know I think the thing you know to even use Kanye and then I think another person mentioned Azalea Banks as well we in the black community, we can do a lot of backpedaling on social media, but we really do not care about people with mental health illnesses. It's always a joke. It's always a laughing point, you know, and I, I will I will step out on a limb and say I do think that Kanye definitely got more sympathy than Azalea Banks. And that may reinforce the notion that, you know, that black women feel that black women still do not get the same grace that black men get. But, I, but I'll tie that up with a bow just to say, at the end of the day, we have to allow, we have to consider the fact that, hey, someone can be great creatively and have their struggles. And if you really appreciate someone having a struggle, the only thing you can say is that I, you should say is, I'm hoping that this person is getting help. And I understand that anything they say in this moment, I shouldn't hold against them. You know, when my... When my grandfather was leaving the earth, he said some very kind, you know, unkind things to my my sister. But he was going out of his mind. You know, he was in a state of delirium. He was going through a lot of pain. He was saying some things he did not mean. It's the same with someone who's been diagnosed as bipolar, you know. And I'm not going to go into the specifics of it because I'm not a doctor. But I just think it's it's funny that, and I don't mean funny in a funny way, but it's funny that we can see someone go through a mental episode and find it as a meme and gift moment. So, as black people, we have been able to find humor in almost everything. And I think that's a part of us that is that is great, that is powerful. I, I don't necessarily want to condemn that part of us. What I think is the is if it's not going to be understood like, if you see someone going through something, at least acknowledge that there is a concern. I think sometimes we're so dismissive of who we like or who we dislike that we ignore the concerns of what's really happening in that person's life. And that's about mental health across the board. And I don't want to just use celebrities, but I think a lot of us have family members who are going through things that we dismiss because we have a confrontation with them and we miss we miss the opportunity to to learn and to be able to assist i think that's very very important and we see it all the time where one person gets to laughing now the whole room is laughing but we 
although we're laughing, we're still holding that person accountable for what they're saying, which it's one thing to hold someone accountable. It's another thing to dismiss the fact that it's hard to hold someone accountable who's not mentally there, like you said, in reference to uh, your late grandfather. You know, and and it's something I want to introduce as well as a thought. And I say it all the time to me. I always feel like, and you know, I saw a tweet and I'm going to paraphrase the tweet, but it said it's a sign of, you know, maturity and intelligence to disagree with someone and still love that person or, you know, or to disagree with someone and still see the merit of their argument. And I've always contended, you know, I've always made a contention that whenever I discuss things with people, I can disagree with you on something and still appreciate the logic or the spirit of what you're saying and not be angry at you. And I think I'm not going to make it a gender issue. I will make it a, a a people issue. In our community, we have to get better about having opposing views and not viewing that as opposition to each other. We were not put here to all agree with each other. We were put here to respect each other. And, you know, we can disagree with, we can disagree. Like, there are people who feel like, you know, Kanye is using this to promote his album. That could be very true. I'm not going to you know, not say that's very, that's not possible, but to disagree on a, on, on a human level and not be able to have empathy to me is problematic. And to be, and to disagree with me or I disagree with you and you feel as if I condone certain actions or I'm not a person that that's when I think we're getting too far. You know, I can, I can disagree with things Kanye said, but have love for him as a human and have love for him as a black man and still wish for the best for him. You know, I do believe we we should be able to possess that level of, you know, maturity. But on an intellectual level, I can disagree with you on a on a major or minor issue and I can still have love for you. And I just want us to get to that point where we can sometimes put politics aside or put people's past comments to the side and really look at it. When you look at these moments, you know, I'm going to finish it out this. When you look at the moments when he's made these outlandish statements, he was having manic episodes. From, from all accounts. Are we really going to use these manic episodes as reflections? And and the last point, when he said George Bush didn't care about black people, was that not the exact same outburst? He's, from his career, he struggled with these types of things, but we can't ignore it. We can't, you know, choose when we want to accept who a person is. We have to accept who that person is, good and bad. You know, it's something about the the last thing you said about him having multiple manic episodes over time. I made a comment in a session with other peers where is it manic and are you bothered by it when you disagree or, or is it a problem across the board? Because there's times when people who are not in a good space say things that I think other people agree with that are more likely to not call this person names or laugh at this person because they agree with the sentiment that that person is, is expressing. And, but two things can be true. Uh, two things can be true in reference to, do I think that this is part of what I would call a rollout? Yes. But do I also yes. think that something is not well? Yes. And I believe yes. these things to run concurrently because I feel like artists, I feel like creative people who use measures that aren't your standard, typical, everyday measures to to 
to bring something forward are under a different type of scrutiny that may exasperate the problems that is going on inside their minds. Um, and I use the term problem, and I don't mean to be offensive. I just mean that the the, the there's an unstableness that some people have that their skill set and a talent that's being pressurized, it comes out in ways that we identify to not be okay. You know, and I want to add to that and, and, and offer that I really think, you know, and I stand by this, I think people that create part of that part of that personality is you have the belief that what you're saying is that important and to a degree it's 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 a bit of narcissism i don't you know i look at you know kanye for all his creative ability as a great narcissist he has a god complex he he is extremely creative is extremely talented he's done a lot of things but he has a larger than life you know opinion of himself and you know what comes with that is a need to inject himself into anything so yeah my presidential campaign is about me feeling as if I have the answers, just like I felt like in rap I had all of the answers and I was the greatest. You know, my my antics and things I say, they bring attention to me because I want the attention to me. So some of it is attention getting, but then also some of it is a reflection of a lack of, you know, stability and support from friends, family, possibly, you know, not, you know, being, you know, diligent about medicine and other things. But I definitely think, you know, people who are artists and who've gotten a certain level of fame, we they have complexes. You know, they have God complexes. They're extremely narcissistic. So it, it makes sense for those two things to be true. But what you just said is the main thing, and then I'm going to say before I step back, two things can be true at the same time. And we have to accept that, that just because I feel that this is the only answer and we don't have to make everything a moral issue of, disagreeing with me means you're a bad person no that's what kids do disagreeing means you see life from a different vantage point that's maybe reflective of your interest and your experiences and even if it even if it may seem to me you know when we hear people say views that are conservative and seem to not cater to the greater mass that's still a reflection of how they view life it's a reflection of their experiences it doesn't necessarily make them a bad person it just makes them a person whose view is limited and your wider view doesn't make your view better. It just makes it a view for you. And what, what's important to understand is that gender shouldn't play a part in how much value you put into someone's thoughts. And I've, I've come across a few situations where if I'm talking to um, another brother of mine and it's, you know, we may disagree but we're able to say, all right, cool, we disagree, but we still value each other's person, that the people that they are, to 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 move forward. We can still function together, we can still operate together, we can still build together because we have two different um, perspectives, right? Well, there's value in every perspective, is how I see things. One thing that I hope that men and women, black men and women, come together and understand is that my opinion that differs from you is not is not a form of attempting to oppress you or silence you and that goes both ways right so as a man if i say something and my wife disagrees it's not oh, okay 
well, now we have a problem. It's okay. I respect you enough and that you're an individual that that thought may be from your perspective and it may work for you. I'm not here to tell you that it's right or wrong. Now, how I express that is very important. I need to make sure that I still not dismiss what she says, but I, I should be able to share with someone and say, okay, that is going to be okay for you. But from my experiences in life, this is how this is going to work for me. And this is how I have to handle this situation. You know, that's important. And, you know, I want to add to that by saying, you know, cause, because this has been something that's been kind of bugging me. I think, you know, with everything that's been going on on social media or just how how much we can tune into to positivity and negativity, it's been really hard for me to not um, respond uh, emotionally to some of the things people say. You know, it, and I think, you know, I say that to say, I think that there are black men and black women who see the negativity online and it really does frustrate and infuriate them because, you know, I think there are a lot of black, there are a lot of black people working to change the narrative and the narrative really isn't, it isn't as bleak as people think it is. It doesn't mean it's not a lot of work to do, but it isn't as bleak as people think it is. And I, and I say that just to say it takes a toll on your mental health. A lot of times when you have to deal with, you know, police brutality you have to deal with you know you know our our communication issues with black men and black women us us displaying the negativity and even in our own personal relationships understanding each other you know i've i've been having to work a lot this you know because i've been working again and i'm not around my fiance working a lot on communicating and trying to get her to be a better communicator and sometimes it takes a toll mentally on me because i just want to sift through my own emotional you know baggage but I feel like I have to consider how I'm making her feel and that you know I say that to say relationships take a mental and emotional toll on our health and it's just important for us to be aware of how we're feeling spend time working through it but also take a certain amount of time to say hey I'm going to work on how I feel but I'm not going to stay in the negativity I'm going to focus on positivity and as black men we must identify where we are at each moment in our dealings with, with each other or with women or just in society, period. Because you can get wrapped up into the thought of, oh, someone's being negative or someone's being uh, fraudulent or something like that. And you you can get wrapped up in that and go back and forth. And it's just not a healthy environment. Um, one thing that I do, which I don't believe is healthy, but it's the only way that I know how to handle it now without things going uh, too far, is if me and a person disagree, me and a person disagrees, I understand my place to say, okay, I'm not going to let this go for too far, and this this is just where we are going to stand on this. But what happens? Um, particularly when I have conversations with some of our sisters is I then I, I'm then walking on eggshells and being mindful of what I'm saying to the point where it's like, well, I don't even want to hold this conversation anymore because this is going to escalate in a way that I'm not saying it's going to go a place that I don't want it to go and that I'm not even saying what, what you may believe that I'm saying. So to prevent you know, my mother 
my mother used to always explain to me um, about how and then cure. That's how explained it to me, and that's how I view things. Now, with that being said, uh, with that being as you were saying, so that's yeah, so that's pretty much important to me is for us to be able to log together and move forward and address mental health not only between us men but in our entire community because a lot of the things that we're facing makes us react to each other in ways that is and it actually needs to be you know and something you said you know has really been kind of my motto lately you know like I was telling you I've been torn between do I ignore when I see things or do I just learn to ignore or do I just not even allow it to be in my space and I think what I've been realizing about myself and I think we all have to come to it there are some people who are just very you know are very skilled at seeing something and knowing how to ignore it but for me you know I think the best way for me is like you were saying prevention I've I've become more intentional about not allowing certain people's you know negativity to be around me you know I'm blocking people I'm muting people and sometimes it's not even and a lot of times it's not out of malice it's you know what I'm finding and I'm what I'm also finding I'm trying to be receptive of how I may come across to people I think that's another part of it too you know we talk a lot about you know awareness of how you have to be aware of how you come across to people and you have to be aware of you know how other people are making you feel but you know I've been trying to focus on how I come across to people and what I found is there are some people who cannot respect you know a different perspective and so it becomes my responsibility to you know not necessarily change what I say but to be aware of how that may come across to people and just consider that when I say things yeah, and you know how I speak or how I come across is is very important, and I attempt to make sure that I'm saying the right things. But there's only uh, there's a level that I'm willing to go because now I I still want to remain true to me while I respect you. The minute I get to the point where I feel as if I have to become someone else to make sure that you feel comfortable, uh, or you feel as if I'm speaking to you in the way that you need it. I'm going to caution myself and probably shy away from that conversation to be had, not because you don't, you're not worthy of it, but because I am not being true anymore. Now I'm just speaking to make sure that it works, not necessarily to make sure that we both are experiencing something that we both can grow from, which should be the ultimate uh, goal here. Um, One thing you spoke about blocking people, muting people, you know, Especially now, um, through my and we're back. But, um, con- yeah, continue, man. I, I, you were making a, uh, you were making a pretty good argument earlier about you were talking about blocking and muting people, and I wanted to get the gist of it. Yeah, I'm not one to block people. I'm not one to mute people. For my cell phone, I may have, but from like social media and different groups, what I've learned to is I, I want everyone to be able to voice where they are so I can see where everyone stands. The biggest thing that is for me is I want to identify 
where you are, how you think, and and that's pretty much where I am. But I also don't do too much interacting on social media because I'm only on sites that, you know, for example, Instagram, not too much interaction there. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I don't engage that much in that light. There was a time, again, we spoke about this before, when on Facebook, I would have a lot more dialogue with people. But at this point in my life, I'm not on Facebook. And it's for that reason. Because if I need to go ahead and block you, that environment altogether is not healthy for me. Yes. You know, and I think that's the best mindset to uh, have. And I, and I want to make this clear. I'm not against people having differing opinions. You know, I think people having different opinions is important and it's healthy. You know, and I don't and I'm not per se against people having different opinions. I know there was a there was a time when there was a young lady I used to work with and um she she said, Look, i I usually follow you because you have differing opinions, which is good. But what I had to tell her is when things are no longer constructive, to me it's not it's not serving a purpose, it's being toxic. You know, there are times when we're going to be funny on purpose, but a lot of times everything I do has a purpose. It's to be constructive. It's not to be destructive. And when I feel like it's uh, it's destructive instead of constructive, I'm just not going to put that energy around me. And that's important. And I that's important, and I definitely respect it. I'm glad you, you expressed that because some people may take it as, oh, if I think different from him or if I'm not like him, then he doesn't want to hear what I have to say. There comes a point in time, like you said, where this is this is no longer m- moving the needle. This is trying to reverse the needle and stick the needle where it doesn't need to go. And conversations and dialogue, they should always remain healthy, even if they're not on this, even if we're not agreeing. We can disagree. You know, we can we can actually argue. It's, it's, I'm not even against arguing. We can, argue, we can argue, but we need to remain productive and to see where we can go with this. And the main thing, um, just to tie it all in and, and you know, get this clear and in the, in the conversation here is mental health awareness in our community starts within. We need to be able to address where we are mentally, how we are mentally, how we should be, and how we are to treat others. I think that's so important. And when you look through, when you look inside and you realize how beautiful your imperfections are and how you can address those, you may be able to look at someone else who's having, who's going through a struggle that you have never gone through where, and just have some compassion. We can laugh, we can joke, we can make some humor about some things. But there comes a point where we have to acknowledge, hey, this may be funny right now, but this is a very this is a very important situation and not everybody has the same resources to get the help that they need or to or or to be able to finance a short-term, you know, solution. I saw people saying well, he's wealthy. He can get help that he's want. And sometimes your stability can also work against you. Exactly. Sometimes you may not have, you know, a, a way to go do something e- even in private. Uh, not everybody wants their their problems or their episodes to be seen 
You know, and I think the other thing we have to acknowledge, if I had just, if I had been involuntarily placed into a mental institute, that's probably not something that I really want to go through again. So I'm going to be reluctant towards anybody, you know, insinuating something of that nature. So, you know, I think that's the thing that we have to keep in mind. He has money, he has access, but he also went through an incident where he was, you know, put into a, you know, put into a, a mental health facility and, you know, it was involuntary. And I could, you know, him talking about that moment, he's all he said it's a traumatic moment that's changed him. And I think we have to we have to keep those things in mind. Anything we say without having going through something in a negative aspect is just usually not the way to go. You know, and I, I think that's just the main thing I want to convey. If I were to convey one thing from this this uh, episode this week, is understand that people's personal struggles, unless you have went through something in a similar vein, the best thing to do is to try to understand it and refrain from judging it. And look at the context of what people say and what we do. And that doesn't mean excuse it 100%, but that just means keep it in mind. Yeah, and I would like to express to to anyone who listens to this that it's okay to have problems in life. It is okay to not have it all put together. None of us do. Some of us are able to mask it very well. Some of us, some of our biggest blessings is our, our problems. Some of us are so busy in life that we can't address it. I don't want any of us to be so focused on getting to a place where we want to be, where we never address things that will rear its ugly head once we reach where we want to be. Um, and, and compassion, if we can just find a way to share compassion with each other. I've learned over the years, This I've been married eight years now, since 2012, June 2012. If there's one thing I've learned being married and having children is compassion. I never had it. I loved, you know, I shared great moments, I shared joy, but I never ever had compassion for people who were different from me. I always felt like people were wrong. I've learned over the years that it's so much value in someone who's different. There's so much value in someone who's different. So, um, you know, we want to thank y'all again for listening. We want to thank y'all for, uh, you know, listening to all the episodes. We hope that you continue to listen, uh, tell people about us. And again, I'm I'm Eric. I told you a little brief about me. I hope you guys get to know me more. And that's where we are. And once again, guys, thank you guys. Thank you to everyone who's been listening, who's downloaded the episodes, who've been sharing them with your friend. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, any of the sites that hold us. It's our space with the capital R space, S-P-A-C-E. I'm Samuel Wright, and thank you guys again. Have a good one. Have a great one.